Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. The title of my message tonight is The Gift of the Small. And, you know, we live in Texas. What's the, like, saying about Texas? Do you guys know it? Everything's bigger in Texas. So in our minds, I mean, is anyone in here, like, original Texan, like, born and raised? Me too. Me too. Okay. If you were, like, born and raised Texas, and maybe some of you guys still feel this way also, but, like, I've kind of been raised to think bigger is better. Does anyone else think that? Like, you know, the... Bigger the hair, closer to heaven, like bigger bank account, baller, you know, whatever. So you think like bigger is better. And I think like often we're looking for big things to happen. Like none of us are like, hmm, where's a medium-sized thing that's going to happen in my life? Like, oh, where's that tiny thing that's going to come through? Like we're like, God, I want you to come through big or I want a big promotion or I want a big opportunity. Like it's so interesting when you hear kids like say their dreams most of the time, they're not, like, on track with reality, but most of the time, they're, like, really big dreams. Like, I want to be a mermaid. <laughs> I think that that's possible in, like, Disney World, you know, but I don't know. There's just a lot of dreams that we can have, right, that seem, like, impossible. And I think, you know, we want our dreams to come true. We want our prayers to be answered. We want the miracle to happen. We want to find the one, you know. We want, like, a big thing to happen in our life. But I think one of the biggest mistakes that we can make is overlooking the small. And so I kind of want to, like, talk about that tonight because God can do everything all at once. He can do anything all at once. But often I think he does his best work in the small. And, you know, we get impatient with God. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I have been there a lot. Has anyone else ever been, like, impatient in their process or in their life? If you're not raising your hand, you are an angel. Um, But we get impatient with God, and we think that he's not doing enough for us. We think that he's not doing enough in us. Like, I'm 30. I'm almost 31. I don't really like that. I'm, like, less than a month away. Is that right? Ew. <laughs> I, it's new being in my 30s, so just bear with me. If you're already beyond me, go you. My mom always says every year is a gift, and I believe that, but it's just hard sometimes to realize, like, I'm actually really now 30 because I'm in it. But, okay, turning 31, I sometimes look at my life and I'm like, I should be further along. Like, I should be doing more. I should, like, things should be bigger in my life than they are. Have you ever felt that way? Like, you ha- I had these, like, measures when I was, like, a kid. And when I say that, it's, like, middle school, high school. I'm like, if you're 30 and you don't have your life together, you're probably a loser. And now I'm like, oh, if you're 30-ish and more and you don't have your life together, you're just in process. Like, God's just taking you where he wants to get you in his timing, right? And I think that we have these, like, parameters in our brains with God, with ourselves, with our finances, with our health, whatever it is. And I think a lot of times we get frustrated because God's not following our plan. I've been there, so that's why I'm saying it. But I've been frustrated because, like, my life hasn't always gone like I want it to go. And I just, like, wanted greater or bigger things. Like, I never imagined at, like, 
the age that I'm at, that I would have been married twice or that I would have ever been divorced. But I'm so grateful now looking back because of what I have in the marriage that I'm in and my husband now. But like if I, if I was describing that to my younger self, I would have been like, oh. But now I'm like, God upgraded me. You know, like God gave me more. And so I think like a lot of times what looks like something we never wanted actually can be something amazing with God. And we can get stuck in our frustration. We can get stuck in the fact that it didn't pan out how we wanted or this didn't work out or I got this diagnosis or this friend left my life or something happened and things aren't just going how I want it to go. Maybe you don't like the president that we have. Maybe you're just struggling with where you're at in your job or with your boss. And we can get so frustrated and stuck in the fact that God's not working it out for us. And I think that God often does small things so that he can bring us along with, with him. Because if he did it all at once, we wouldn't be able to catch up. Like you realize, me and you, we have some things that sometimes hold us back. We have insecurities, fears, pride, immaturities at times, no matter how old you are. And it's like you still have things that God's processing you through. And Chapa talked a lot about that last week. But I think like for us, like what we have to realize is that God has you. And there's a reason why he does things little by little because he wants you to be a part of it. And so if he gave you, like I just had this thought, and if God gave you all of your dreams and he gave you everything that, that he intends to bring into your life right now, you would not be capable of receiving it all. You wouldn't. So what does he do? He starts small, and it really is a gift because he loves you enough that he gives you what he knows that you need. And he builds upon that if you let him. So we want this big thing, but we're not capable of even seeing the gift of the small. Like we're just so focused on the big, we can't even see what's happening right now in the small and the season that we're in now. And I want to bring your attention uh, to a few scriptures, and you've probably heard these before, but I kind of want to like shift your thinking on some of them. So in Zechariah 4.10, they're talking about building this this temple, and they're talking about doing all this stuff, and it's great, but they're getting frustrated because the work is taking a long time, and they haven't made that much progress. If that's not a correlation to our life, I don't know what is. So we're not making much progress, and then all of a sudden, basically what happens in this is um, a prophet comes, and he says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Another version says, the people should not think that small beginnings are unimportant. Like, if you just think about it, for a second, God does big things in small ways. Like, God didn't go, like, I'm going to bring my son to the earth. He's going to, like, sit on a throne. He's going to already, already be 30, and then everyone's going to worship him. No, like, Jesus started as a baby. <laughs> like, how crazy is that? Like, that, that was God's plan, that he started as a vulnerable little baby. And there's like so much, so much of his life that isn't even like accounted for in the scriptures that we know today. Obviously in the Torah and Jewish historical text, there's more. But like, like there's only so much that we can see. And then we see that he starts his ministry at, does anyone know what age he started his ministry? 30. Isn't that weird? It's weird. But don't you know he was doing things all along? So it's not like he was like a baby and then he waited until he was 30 to do anything. But there was some big things that started in his life. So if like God started doing like even bigger things when he was 30 and increasing his influence and, and bringing around other people, like don't you think he has a plan for your life? Like God does 
big things in small ways. And so I remember, and this goes two different ways, but I remember very pivotal moments that changed my life forever. And the decisions that I made in those moments seemed really small. Maybe you've been here before, but the small decisions that I made ended up being huge moments in my life. Some of us have seen this happen in our life in the negative. We make one decision, it got us in trouble, or we had a lapse in judgment, and now we have to deal with the consequence forever. You know, you run a red light, get pulled over. Run a red light, God forbid something hits you, you know, like... (laughs) Think about it. It's just one second looking at your phone. One second you go hang out with a friend. Bad decision. Maybe it's not even your decision and then now you have to pay the consequence. Or maybe you make the decision to come to a Tuesday night. You make the decision to hang out with the right people. You get in a small group on a Wednesday night. You come to church on Sunday and God speaks directly to you and it changes the trajectory of your life forever. It starts really small and it ends up affecting your life forever. It's, it's like, you know, Modern day relationships, someone likes your picture. Then you DM each other. Then you meet in person and hopefully they're real. <laughs> you know, it's, it sounds weird, but like that's how most people meet now. And things start small. Great things can start small and actually so can bad things. But what I wanna focus on tonight is us being intentional with the gift of the small. I had this thought the other day and I wanted to share it with you. I've kind of been like doing some research. For those of you that have ever heard me speak, you know I like to research. It's just my thing. So I'm gonna hopefully like maybe give you some insight on this that you maybe have never heard. Maybe you have and you're like way smarter than me. But I had to like research a bunch to learn this stuff. So um, there was this time where Jesus points people's attention to a small seed. And many of you have heard of a mustard seed probably. Um, I'm gonna show you some pictures of it in a second. But um, Matthew 13 says, heaven's kingdom can be compared to the tiny mustard seed that a man takes and plants in his field. Although the smallest of all the seeds that eventually grows into the greatest of garden plants, becoming a tree for birds to come and build their nests in its branches. So have you ever seen an actual mustard seed? Like that's a, you guys remember that's a finger? You see that's a finger. It's so small. If I was standing here, especially on this carpet, if I was standing here and I dropped it, I would not find that seed again. That's how small it is. But in this parable that Jesus is talking about, he's referring to this seed. And a mustard seed isn't like just something that like we would reference every day. But the people back in the day, this was like a common thing for them because a lot of them were in agriculture. It was like a thing that they used. And I'll explain some of this in a second. But what's really cool about this mustard seed is even though it's one of the smallest of all seeds, when it's planted in the ground, it grows into this plant that's so large that it actually grows over 20 feet high or more. This is kind of like a bush tree, but see how it's like so thick, like you can't even really see through it. But I want to read you just some interesting things about this because I'm going to correlate it to our lives and stuff. So a mustard tree grows so quickly that it reaches its full size in only a few years. The mustard tree doesn't need any watering once it's grown from the seed. When it's fully mature, harvest begins. Now, there's two ways that you can use a mustard seed. Obviously, they harvest it in a field or it grows into a tree, okay? But I'm gonna tell you some facts about this. What's really interesting is whenever they harvest it as a seed, they have to kind of churn it up, um, like when it's still growing, so that the weeds and the insects stay off of it. And I think that's interesting because I think with our own lives when we're growing, a lot of times like God moves things around and we're like, hey, I'm comfortable now, like I'm, I'm going. And he's like, nope. 
can't let these weeds or insects settle in. Just thought that was interesting. Um, so a lot of times, like, also we're like, I'm growing, like I'm having this mustard seed kind of thing happening, and, but we're not fully mature, so we're not really seeing a harvest yet, and God's still growing us because the, the mustard seed can't be harvested until it's mature, otherwise it's not going to even work out. Okay, so the, the mustard plant is quite common in the Middle East and it's often compared to a weed because it spreads so widely and quickly with its tiny seeds. A small seed, only one millimeter in radius, generates a bioenergy field of 100 millimeter radius. These energy fields activate biochemical processes of the body and encourage the healing process. The mustard seed's bioenergy is parallel to our human energy field and is believed that these seeds can help us be healthy and fit. So not only did people use these seeds for cooking and all the things that we would use them for today, but they actually used them to keep them healthy. The shade and the chemicals emitted by the roots of this tree helps weeds from growing and enables the growth of weaker and younger plants. How is this a picture of the kingdom of God and how does this relate to us? Well, I think it's interesting that Jesus, when he first began his ministry, he didn't have anybody with him. Like it didn't say like Jesus and all of his brothers and sisters walked around with their mom, Mary, which you know he had siblings, which is kind of weird. But James is my favorite. He's the only one I know of besides like all the ones listed. <laughs> I don't know anything in depth about their lives. Okay, so, but Jesus starts off with nobody, and then all of a sudden he's walking along the shore of Galilee and he sees two fishermen, and he just, <laughs> they're in the middle of fishing, he's like, hey, come follow me, and they're like. <laughs> like you realize they just left their job. That was their job, like, you have a MacBook, some AirPods, your new iPhone 11 Pro, and someone's like, hey, lead on the side of the road. You'd be like, well, hold on, let me grab, let me grab my stuff. Like, <laughs> like, they're not like, hold on, let me tie up my boat and actually get these nets in here because I'm in the middle of fishing. Right. My livelihood. No, they just, like, followed him. It's like a whole other lesson in there. But, so then it keeps going like this over and over until he has 12 people that are following him. And I think it's interesting because Jesus started out with a very small following, but... Even though he had small beginnings, those 12 literally changed the world and are part of the reason that you can even hear who Jesus is today. It started really small. But they were faithful in the small. You know, I think about our life right now. Like, what is God doing in you right now? Because it may seem small, but it's actually bigger than you could ever imagine. The power of the seed is not in the size of the seed. I think it's always interesting that the size of the seed is mentioned because we think that the power is in size. Like we think like, oh yeah, it's a big friggin' mama seed gonna make the biggest, greatest tree. No, this tiny seed makes a freaking gigantic, dense tree that not only creates and helps promote life, but it actually helps heal people. It does a lot of different things, guys. And I think it's interesting in that scripture that it doesn't just mention the seed, but it gets to the tree and what the tree's purpose is, which is to give life, which is all wrapped up in the kingdom of God. So <laughs> the power in the seed is not in the size. It's what's contained in the seed. When God, like when you realize that God loves you, when you realize that you're following him and you want to like love him back, 
What's gonna happen through you is not gonna be about your talent or your weakness. It's bigger than you. It's not about the seed of you. It's about the size of what's inside of you. And God has a way of multiplying the smallest things to do some of his greatest work. You know, I think of the, the loaves and the fish. It's always interesting. God's always talking about multiplying from the small. If you look at any kind of story where he talks about something that's small, it mostly just has to do with someone being faithful. You know, my great, 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 great grandmother has this saying that she said she was a missionary in Tibet. And she said, God's not looking for you to be successful. He's asking you to be faithful. I believe that success comes after faithfulness. Like when you're faithful, God adds things to you. And seeing something small as significant can be really hard, especially in the world that we live in today. Like I don't know how much bigger phones are gonna get. Now they're all going small, the razor's back. Like there's a lot of weird things happening. You remember like back in the day when they used to have all those shows and they thought cell phones were gonna be this big and people were like, remember that on like Comedy Central and stuff where they like flip over in the tiny phone, they'd be like, hello. I don't know if you guys ever saw it, but it's hilarious. But it's like somehow we bypassed that. We like started out going towards that. And then all of a sudden it's like, how big can we get the screen? Basically my phone is an iPad, <laughs> you know. And I just think that it's so interesting because our brains, we, we have a hard time finding that something is significant if it's small. Like you're not like, hey, check out that tiny car. That's going to be great for carrying my stuff around. Like in Texas, you're like, give me a pickup truck. That's my man voice. Okay, so <laughs> I think that it's important to realize if you see in the Bible anything about this, over and over, I promise you, if you bring up your awareness, you will see that small things are important to God. But the next step is not just to see that small things are important to God, it's to do something with what God's given you, even if it's small. In Luke 17, five through six, I think this is a very interesting scripture. The disciples said to Jesus, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Once again, a mustard seed reference. And I think this is interesting because, you know, faith is important because it's our action based on our belief. A lot of times people think, and we've been talking about this a lot in church recently, but a lot of times people think that faith is hope, but faith is not hope. Faith is the action behind your belief. It's what you do with what you believe, right? So I think it's interesting that in the scripture, which we could look at the disciples a lot of times and be like, they're so stupid, but we're like, just like him. <laughs> and in the scripture, the disciples are asking Jesus, they're saying, increase our faith, which we don't think is necessarily a wrong thing. But if you really look at it, they're saying, Jesus, I want you to do something for me that I need to do for myself. And we do that all the time. We ask God to help us with things that we can do on our own. Like, God, help me have a good attitude. It's fully within your choice. God, help me get to work on time. How about you leave within enough time to get there? Like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask God for help with things, but a lot of times we can't see the significance in the small because we're doing nothing with what we've been given. And instead we're just turning it over and not ever taking action. And we're like, God, increase my faith. But what you're actually doing is you're saying, God, 
increase my ability to take action when he's given you full ability to take action. And so we have to start acting on what you can do today. Like ask yourself, like, when my dad asked me this a lot, which is Pastor Keith, he's the pastor of this church, but like he asked me a lot, like, what do you have that you can do something about right now? Like a lot of times if you look at like a pain point in your life or a frustration, a lot of times things in my life lead back to frustration. I don't know about you guys, but like I get frustrated at things sometimes. And if I trace back where my frustration starts, a lot of times I'm frustrated about stuff that I feel like I can't control. I don't know if you've ever been there, but there is something that I can control within that uncontrollable. And a lot of times it's my response to it. And I let, instead of controlling my response, I let my frustration rule me. I let my anger rule me. I let that other person rule me. I let what they've said or what they didn't say or what they didn't do or whatever rule me. And I actually have the power to change that situation because of my response. And we need to increase our faith or our action and know that while, while God cares about the small things, like I pray for my dogs, okay? Like I believe God cares about them. There's a reason why dogs spelled backwards is God, Okay? <laughs> they show you the Lord's love. That's what I mean. But while God cares about the small things in our life, he also wants us to move on to bigger things. But he can't help us move to bigger things if we're not being faithful with the small. God wants you to do what you can so he can do what he can, which is the impossible. You can't get from nothing to the impossible. <laughs> you gotta give God something to work with. So... What, like, in your life, I want to ask you this, what in your life isn't working out how you want it to? Maybe it's the timing, maybe it's, like, the way it's happening. I don't know what it is, but we all have something in our life that, like, isn't really panning out how we wanted it to, right? And I think the things that, the things that we want, they just always take longer than we would expect. Like, we're like... God, I know you have this great thing for me, but like it's been five minutes or 10 years or five hours or a week. Like you gave me this word, when's it gonna happen? <laughs> and instead of being faithful in the midst of that, we're just frustrated at why something's not happening. And I think that greatness, you know, it always starts small. Greatness never starts big. <laughs> if you think about anything or anybody that's great, it started small. Like, even Jesus was a baby. He still had to grow and mature, even though he did not sin. He still had choices to make. He was not, like, confined by this wall of perfection at all times. He was a man. So he still faced what we face, and the whole point of that is so that we could never feel like he doesn't know what we're going through. And I think, you know, these small things, they grow into bigger things, but like I said, like small things can also be negative. So I think it's important to take inventory and think, is what's growing in me something I want to grow? Because anger can start off small. Unforgiveness can start out small. And a lot of times we pay more attention to those things and feed more of those things than we do the good. We have these gifts every single day that God gives us. And if we're not aware enough, we will grow the weeds instead of the fruitful things in our life. You know it doesn't take intentionality to grow a weed. Like it takes no effort. Like you could pluck it, kill it, spray it, it's still coming through. 
you have to take some drastic measures to get the weeds to stop growing in your life. And like some of us have not been harsh enough with our weeds. And somehow we're frustrated at God because our flowers are not there. But we didn't like put that in good soil. We didn't like put some light on that. We didn't put some water in that. We didn't like plant it in the right time. And then we're like, all I have is weeds. And God, what are you doing? And he's like, just be faithful. Just be faithful. And the cool thing about God is when you're faithful in the small things, he takes care of the bigger things. So if there's weeds around you, guess what? He can take care of it if you're focused on growing the good. So just when you think, I don't know if you've ever been here, just when you think you have God figured out, why would I ever think this? Just when you think you have God figured out, something will happen that will totally change what you think and how you see God. Sometimes it's for the good, sometimes it's not for the good. But what I'll tell you is that somehow I assume that if I follow God, if I like believe that he has something great for me, that I will never face hard times and it's gonna be easier for me in life than other people. Like that's my assumption. When I like follow you, God, and you've sent me to do something, you tell me I have a calling on my life, you're gonna make a way for it to happen. But that's not actually what the Bible says. The difference in going somewhere with God is that you aren't alone. Your best, which is small, is enough when, his, when it's added to his power because you're weak. You need more action on the belief you already have. You don't need more of God to show through right now in your life. And I think a lot of times we think that faith is like, we think that faith and we think that what God, what like what following God looks like is not really actually based on scripture because we know what the Bible says, but we think it's actually based on our desire for what we want in life and how we feel like it should be. So we go through our life assuming that if we follow God, everything's gonna be perfect, but that's not what the Bible says. Like, if I look at the Bible, most of the time, God's mentioning how we're gonna face resistance if we follow him, how we're gonna be hated if we follow him, how we will have to keep pushing even when things get hard. <laughs> like, that's what he says to people who believe in him. But the cool thing is, is that you're not doing it alone, and when you turn over your weakness, his power gets involved. And where you can't, he will. Faith is more about taking action now than trying to figure out what the plan is and how you feel about it. If I like really think about a lot of times what God's doing in my life, I will spend majority of my time disagreeing than embracing what he wants to do. And that will never get me anywhere except for frustrated. Galatians 6, 9. This is like a such an encouraging slash not encouraging scripture. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Okay, so what does that show me? When you're doing good, you're going to have a moment where you feel like, I wanna give up. Why? Because growing is hard work. Going from the size of a tiny mustard seed to a huge tree is not easy. It's not like it just shows up one day and it's like, I'm here, I'm a tree, and I'm ready to give you life, and I'm ready to support you, and I'm ready to make all your dreams come true. No, but we see like, we see like the ending of the book, and we're like, God, I want that now. I want that part, like, like 
and they lived happily ever after. I want that now. And he's like, but you can't handle page two, so we can't get to the end yet. And so the biggest things that God has ever done, at least in my life, have happened inside of me. They haven't been some outward thing that everybody else can see. And so I could get really frustrated because I'm like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? But he's actually building me before anything else can happen through me. And if something's not happening through you, what you can trust about God is that he's doing it in you first. Because he wants you to be able to carry the weight of what he's going to do through you. And if you trust God, you have to remind yourself in the process, God, I'm going to act like what you told me and who you said you are is actually true. Like I'm going to not give up when I'm doing good because it says I'm going to reap a harvest if I don't give up. It doesn't say you're going to reap a harvest if you're really rich or if you're really smart or if you're really talented. The answer for this is not giving up. The answer for success is faithfulness. Have you ever thought that the confirmation that the word of, that God has spoken over your life or the belief that you have about what God's going to do through your life, the confirmation of that is the enemy resisting you? Because the enemy would not resist you if you weren't a threat. He would not even waste his time. But how many of us, we faced hardship or we faced heartbreak or we had a setback and we're like, God, you must not be for me. No, he's so for you and he's doing so much that the enemy's freaked out. But we take the confirmation that God's hand is on us as like, well, God must not be here. You know, resistance Stephen Furtick said this, he said, resistance is often the greatest place to find revelation. You know, for a seed to grow, they have to be broken. Just think about your life for a second. For a seed to grow, it has to be broken. It has to be buried. It almost drowns, it's in the dark. Haven't you felt like that before? Like, God, I'm broken. God, I'm alone. God, what is the plan? And yet, this is just the process of growth. I remember asking God, like, God, how many times am I gonna be broken? And God literally spoke to me and like, there's been very few times in my life that I've had like, just like this clear thing inside of me that's like an answer right after. But I was like, just like frustrated and I was in a worship service in church and I was talking to God and I was crying. I was like, how many times am I gonna be broken? And God just told me, the more broken you are, the more I can use. But guess what? It's my choice to give it to him. I can be broken and walk around like a mess and a victim and not have any plans or what I'm going to do with my life and just be like the drama person. Or I could give it back to God and he can turn, we've all heard this before, but he could turn my mess into a message. He can take the stuff that's trash and like the Bible says, turn my ashes into beauty. And I think we have to stop trying to build this life that we can make happen on our own. And we have to start living a life that we need God because we're going beyond our own power to make it happen. This starts with the small. We have to act with what we have right now. You know, Romans 10, 17 says, so faith, action, comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Now, Action, for action to happen, you have to hear. Like you, 
There's so many people that will come to church services. There's so many people that will listen to podcasts. There's so many people that will be touched by God in a worship service. And God is speaking to you. God is showing you things. And guess what? You're letting those small things, that still small voice just pass you by. And you're like, God, where are you? And you walk out of here no different. And you walk out of here with the same issues, with the same drama, with the same hurts. And God's trying to do something in you. But faith or action comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. You cannot hear God's voice clearly if you do not understand how he speaks to you. And you will go through your life thinking that you serve a mute God if you never take the time to learn how he talks to you. I've had a lot of people ask me, how do you hear God's voice? The greatest way I've been able to describe it, at least in my own life, is it sounds a lot like your voice in your head, but it's stuff you would never think of. And a lot of times how I know it's God is I resist it because it makes me uncomfortable. Usually it's like things like, tell that person they're beautiful. And I'm like, I don't know them. What? Like, I wouldn't think that. That's definitely not the enemy. Right? (laughs) So it's very easy to start practicing that. But I will tell you, if you don't know how to get in the word of God, do a devotional. Just pick up a devotional. At the end of this year, I love, um, oh gosh, I just forgot the name of it. No, it's called Joel Osteen. What is it? I declare, gosh, guys, thanks, sorry. I declare, it's like 30 or 31 days of like great stuff and I read it over and over again. It's like so applicable. But it helps you to get into scripture because sometimes it's hard to just dive into scripture. But it helps you to know God's voice and how he feels about you and what he thinks about you. But I just, I wanna encourage you with just a few last thoughts and I'm gonna pray. I wanna tell you that God has placed something significant in your hands. And he's given you this measure of rule. He's given you this authority in the earth that nobody else has. Pastor Keith says that you have a fingerprint that nobody else has to leave an imprint on this world that nobody else can leave. There's a unique deposit of God inside of you that nobody else has. And I think many of us, we can't even act with what we've been given right now. And if we don't start practicing it, we will never get to the bigger thing that God's put in our heart. And I love the scripture in Exodus 4 too. Actually, God brings it back to me a lot in my own mind because I think, you know, it's easy to doubt yourself. It's easy to doubt what God's doing in you. But God asked Moses in Exodus 4, he said, what's in your hand? He didn't tell him, I've put this in your hand. Stop being an idiot. He said, what's in your hand? You have to know what God's put in your hand. You have to go through a journey of discovering. God, it might be small. Like what I feel like God's given me a lot of times, I feel like it's small. But it's not my job to grow that. It's my job to be faithful with that. And then my measure of rule increases. So can God trust you with the thing he's placed in your hand now? Because so many of us want the next thing, we want the bigger thing, we want the greater thing. But if God can't trust you with what you have now, even if it's as small as a mustard seed, how will he ever trust you with more? Some of us want more money, but we're not even tithing. I heard this today in a message. Erwin McManus said, I believe that tithing is a practice for us to show God, this is how much of my heart you have. And if he can't trust you with $10, how will he ever trust you with 10 million? If you won't tithe $10 off of 100, how will you ever tithe off of 10 million? It's just like a practice to see how much measure of rule can God give you. 
because his whole desire is that you're a part of the kingdom. So that means you've gotta give him something to multiply. God cannot do anything if you don't put something in his hands. A lot of us are frustrated in our life and we're like, God, you're not doing anything. And he's like, I put something in your hand, what's in your hand? And what are you doing with it? You know, Moses' response was a staff. He had a stick, but God used the stick to part the waters that saved the Israelites. Like, you might have a car that you can get someone to church on a Tuesday or a Sunday. You might have a smile that you can stand at one of these doors and smile at someone. You might have like the ability to connect with people and help them and believe for them. Maybe you need to be in a small group and talk through the stuff that you've been through with them. Like you have something inside of you and God did not mean for you to go through life and it not be useful, but you can never get to the point that you see in your head if you don't start where you are right now. So we want the finished product. But if we can't find beauty in the process of what's small, we'll miss it. Think about the greatest artworks, the greatest music, the greatest movies, the most influential people. We think about them and we think, how did they get there? How did they do it? And the answer is they did not stop in the small. They kept growing, they kept building, So what's great about the small in your life right now? Because the Bible tells us don't look down on small beginnings, don't despise small beginnings. So what's great about the small that you have right now? Because small beginnings and small things are not beautiful yet, but you can find the gift in them when you see this scripture, which I want God to say to me at some point in Matthew 25, 21. It's talking about the talents. And this master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over the little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I wanna be the type of person, and hopefully you do too, that I take what God's placed in my hand and I don't look down on it. I I don't be negative about it. I'm not like, well, this is all I have because there's so many people that we can look to in the world and especially in the Bible that took something small like dirt and created life who took something like a baby that turned into a savior, who took something like a seed and created a life source that we would even look to as a cross that could save us as a symbol of our salvation, a symbol of our redemption, something that's small. You could be a symbol, you could be that thing that changes your generation, that changes your job, that changes your marriage, that changes your relationships, but it could start with a smile. It could start with a good attitude. It could start with $5 and tithing and and trusting that God's gonna come through. Like we have to be aware of the small, otherwise our life will never get bigger than that. And today there's some things in my life that I'm going, you know what God, I don't wanna look at what's not working. I wanna look at what you've given me that's small. And even though it's not like quite beautiful where I want it to be yet, I know when I give it to you and I'm faithful with the small, you make me ruler over much. So you can trust me. I wanna show God he can trust me. And I don't know if you're there today and maybe, maybe you're a person that you've never received Jesus so you don't even know what that kind of relationship feels like. We're gonna pray here in a moment just all together and you can do that. But I also wanna pray specifically for this that, that we would be aware of the small and be faithful with the small. Because it's not just all about the happily ever after and the end goal, it's about right now. 
Like if you're not focused on right now and you're focused on the past, you're focused on the future, you're missing it. Because God's doing something right now in your life that's amazing. So if you would just close your eyes and if you're the person in this room and you wanna accept Jesus in your heart for the first time or maybe you're coming back, I just want you to say this prayer intentionally and I want all of us to say it together because we're all in unity here. And if you would just repeat this after me, everybody say, God, forgive me of the mistakes I've made. Come into my heart, make me new. I believe that you are who you say you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Keela Craft Ambrose.